0: It's time for the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. This is a show for all you Recruitment Marketing Rebels out there who are done with posting, pray, and recruitment funnels. Are you ready to bring real change to talent acquisition? Come for the voice of the candidate and stay for the snark. It's time for real talk from the front lines of the talent revolution with your hosts, Lynn Bailey and Tracy Parsons.
1: Good morning, Alin. Welcome back from Banff.
0: Thank you. This is how you pronounce it. Banff. Yes, it was fabulous. It was fabulous. I have to tell you, it was so cool. Not only was Banff beautiful, like I can't even, I, I can't believe it's been so close to me all this time and I've never been there. I felt like I I had just, you know, walked into a little fairy tale. It was just (laughs) beautiful. The castle was literally a castle. And, you know, I do feel like I'm royalty. So I felt like I fit right in. That was awesome.
1: It's beautiful. So did you guys stay in the castle?
0: Yeah. Everything was
1: in the castle. We stayed in the castle.
0: Mm. We had like this big, oh, my God. Okay, this is the other thing I'm going to say. So this was a, remember, this was a marketing conference, not a recruiting yes, conference. Correct. I'm, yeah, they're better at this stuff. In what way? Well, okay. So in two ways. So first, just in general, the, um, uh, as a as a presenter and as a as a speaker and as a participant, I thought it was because I was kind of there as a speaker, but then I realized it was happening for everybody. The, the. The care that they took to make sure I was happy was, uh, it, I, at first it made me uncomfortable. I traveled with, um, uh, this was, I did this, by the way, for um, it was very nice of um, uh, Elise Mayer and, and uh, Gina and Symphony Town, and I did it with, um, it was uh, Tyler Weeks and I from Intel, we're on this panel with Chad and Cheese, which, you know, is always interesting and fun. Oh, yeah. In a good way. It was fun. It was, it was fun. But um, they, like, they started with, like, like, I had, like, a concierge lady. And they had, like, this little, she would send us these text messages every morning and and tell us where to be and what to do and how to get there. And um, she fixed my hotel. So like, it was just really, it was very, I felt very fancy.
1: Okay.
0: I came out, and, you know, I have. You don't a, feel
1: fancy at HR Tech?
0: No, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel fancy at HR tech. These people made me feel fancy. And it took me a while to like, okay, so I I am okay feeling fancy because I have like that fancy gene in me. My You know, everybody who knows me will, will tell you I have an issue um, thinking I deserve more than I should have because <laughs> I, nice. I just should because i me, right? I get it. I, I try and taper that down. Um, so I'm traveling with Oh, what Are you
1: trying to say you're a diva? I am a diva.
0: I, okay. I do. I'm a bit of a diva, but I try and hide it because I think, cause I've been told my entire life that being a diva is not a good thing.
1: Okay. So I try and
0: hide it. Right. And I pretend that I'm not a diva. So I'm traveling with Tyler. Tyler doesn't, he, he knows he's a diva. He doesn't care.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: so like, we have this lady who that we can, you know, she's wonderful. Erin was her name. She was fabulous. Um, and, uh, she was our, I guess, concierge our like our person, Right. And we would Mm -hmm. have like issues or we'd have questions. And I'd look at Tyler and I'd ask him the question and he would text her and she would text the answer back. And so I got very comfortable knowing that Aaron would find out the answer for us and then I can make Tyler go get it. And then I would feel okay about it. (laughs) (laughs) She took us. Oh, my God. The best part. This is so hilarious. So, um We walked down and they're like, we're doing the sound check thing the day before and they weren't ready for us right away. So we're sitting down there. She's sitting with us to just, you know, keep us company. Okay. I don't know. She's chatting or whatever. And she's like, can I get you anything? A soda, a sorbet. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll take a sorbet. I don't know where that came from, but go get me a sorbet in the castle. She goes running off. She comes back. I have a sorbet. Oh man Yeah Okay so I'm just saying They do this a little bit better And Okay The, the events Were Fabulous Like the I mean literally I mean the, the first Like the, the first dinner Night right With like kind of the The VIP dinner With like the speakers And the um, You know people who I, mean, I know they pay They charge for this stuff And stuff But it was literally In a castle It was like literally In a castle Like there was a There was a There was a throne In the front of the room these oh. big chandeliers. And it was like, it was very, um, I felt like we had more intelligent conversations.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Now my question, I mean, are you, t- are you feeling like you had more intelligent conversations because of the setting? Cause yeah. it feels like it's because of the setting. Yes. Okay. So I'm telling you, I had
0: more intelligent conversations because of the setting. I think whether I did or I didn't, I don't necessarily know, but it I feel, but it felt that way. It felt that way because I felt like, you know, I felt like, you know, when you go off to the little alcove, um, there was all these little alcovey bars, right? You know, with these big leather um, wing back chairs, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, and you sit down and you'd have a scotch and you'd like, you talk deep thoughts about how you drive people to your brand. It felt, it felt, had some gravitas to it. I was like, okay. damn damn, this is good. Anyway, it was a great, but that was just, those are all the superficial things in general. Um, I walked away. My biggest takeaway was, um, there is so much interconnection between, um, corporate marketing and recruitment marketing and, You know, I knew that corporate marketing in my own world didn't quite understand the impact that we had, and we didn't really understand how to partner with them. We still don't. This is always a challenge. Um, But when I listened to the speakers, forget forget whether or not we know how to play together. When I just listened to what they had to say, the value I got as a recruitment marketer, participating and listening to the stories of corporate marketers, and then trying to think about how that could attribute or provide value to the work I'm doing was immense. There was so much just goodness, meaty stuff that I took away that I have been noodling on now for weeks. I don't know what to do with any of it yet, which is often the case, but there's, there were just so much um, deep, interesting stuff. And the reason was their focus was so much about understanding how you get a message to people and, and how you, and how you understand how people tick and, and then you use what you have, um, to create this relationship with them. They really understand the roots of the marketing piece, which is obviously what they do. Um, and we spend so much time talking about the transaction and it was, it was clear to me in the midst of that dialogue. I, I was I was struck by it and I thought oh my god if if I ever am in the position yet again to start sending people off to go and learn and grow in this space I am not sending them um, uh, to to these fabulous HR conferences which I think are great and you can go connect with people for networking purposes but if I want them to learn I'm sending them to the marketing stuff it was okay, much so- more valuable.
1: Let's dig in on that because one of the things I think we want to talk about today is conversions, right? Yes. And so if you feel like we're overly concerned about the transaction, um let's 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 back that up, right? So what are some of the things that our consumer marketing counterparts are really worried about and thinking about that's different? Now I have a point of view on this, right? And yeah. and I think you agree with my point of view, but <laughs> the but the big difference between what we do in recruitment marketing and what they do in consumer marketing has a 100% disconnect around the focus on the audience. Oh, so our okay. Unpack,
0: unpack that for a second yep, for me. Our
1: consumer marketing counterparts nope. know everything there is to know about that buyer. Or they want and they to. Don't, right. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're working toward that. Mm-hmm. Right, their, their myopic focus is on understanding the buyer. Right. Right? They, that's what they need to do. Because if they want to shape that buyer's behavior, they need to understand that buyer. Right. And I'm not talking about personas and journey maps per se. Uh-huh. I'm talking about studying all of it. Right. All of it. Okay? A- absolutely. Absolutely. And- what we don't do so well that i've seen happen over and over again we don't study the external we don't study the buyer we no. study the we study the buyer that we've already converted that already works for us that already bought the product uh-huh. right but we don't study because that's easier, let's be honest, right? And most consumer marketers will tell you, yeah, 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 we got a loyalty program. They're busy, you know, we've got loyalty marketers. They're busy figuring out how to get people to buy one more. Right. Right? But we are focused on net new acquisition of new buyers. And I think our counterparts in recruitment marketing, Alyn, you, you and I's peers, the rebels, the rebels mm-hmm. on the line. hmm They know they need to get there and they can't figure out how, like, that's one of the things that I think we are all struggling with because there is a very sincere focus on people we've already converted and making sure that we can spin the product, which is the job so that the company feels good about what is out on. The, univ- the marketing universe, right? So that the company can say, look at these wonderful jobs. That so we look at these wonderful products. Why wouldn't you buy a product from us? As opposed to, hey, why aren't you buying our products?
0: Right. So, yes, all of that. All of that and a, and a hundred times I would go and, and say this, 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 this issue of, Focusing in and understanding who that consumer is or who that who that person is that we're selling to is is, is the gap. I, I thought where you were gonna go and yeah. I, I think you did. Um but I wanna kind of connect this is, is that I also think one of the fundamental differences is in the consumer space, I can always make more product. Correct. In in the job space, there are only so many jobs, mm-hmm. right? So the there is this very big difference between consumer marketing and recruitment marketing in that when we think about um, after you pull them in, right. The process of connecting relevancy, right? So let me put it this way: in in the, in the consumer market space, if somebody who isn't relevant to my product buys my product, whatever, great. It's not hurting them. Yep. In fact, what I mean, the more the merrier. Come on in. You know, right. I like that you think that you're cool. Go ahead and buy my, you know, cool trucker hat. Right. <laughs> it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Thing, right. But in the recruitment marketing space, I only have so many jobs. So I have, so the, the translation of converting to by relevancy is so much more important. Well, it's obviously it's the game, right? It's the game. It's the game. But what's interesting is if I, if I unpack what you said before, I thought one of the places you might be going was our way of trying to deal with that formula of relevancy is to hyper-focus on getting people to try and understand what the job is, right?
1: Oh, I don't think we're doing that at all. Oh,
0: you don't? I think, I think we think we are. I think, I think we're like, I think all of our focus on how great can we write the job description and how can we help you be able to best find the job to go and apply to and et cetera, is all based on this idea that if you understand what the product is, you will self-select into the right opportunity. And, and if we took the marketing frame, I think it would be, we know you well enough To know how to point you to the right thing i don't know there's like there's something in that for me
1: but i don't think we're doing those things well at all i think that we're still very very actively painting um overly rosy pictures of all of these things Mm -hmm. i think we're leaving out a lot of important data and facts i think that we're i think that we're i think that we're with best interest, but I think we're tricking people. Like, I think we want their names. I think we want their applications so that our recruiters can go back to the hiring manager and say, we got 200 people that want this job. And I'm Ah. like, you don't, I hate that. Like that's now, now, by the way, You've just made one hundred and ninety nine very sad people, right?
0: I mean, you know, I can go off on that forever. You know, you know what's interesting? There was a um, there was a gentleman um, who was speaking there who I um, got to meet briefly. He, I want to dive more into his work. Um, his name was um, Douglas Atkin, and he, he used to be at Airbnb. and He wrote this book based on a group of studies and work that he's done called The Culting of Brands. Okay. Right? But what was fascinating about what he was talking about was the, the insight and the knowledge you needed to have about what makes people, right, actually connect with a brand, an identity, a thing. It's, it was a lot about identity marketing, right? Sure. Um, and as I listened to it, it made me reflect on this topic you're talking about, which is um, from a job perspective... When we don't, when we align people inappropriately to the to opportunities, right? When we make it feel like it's all rosy sunshine, if we missell it, right? Mm -hmm. If we spend so much time just trying to drive the volume to the conversion, rather than the relevancy to the connection, yes. What we do—that's
1: a winner. Somebody should tweet that.
0: I know. I was—I just made that up. That was really good. I think what we're doing is, is we are actually doing more harm to our brand and to our ability to find the right people that connect. Because part yes. of what he talked about was he did all this research that went out and looked at actual real cults and why people join cults and why do people kind of have this undying loyalty, right? And it really comes down to identity. Okay. And I think in, in the, being able to feel like, you are, the the thing that you are connecting to understands you in a unique way and that you are part of this special group or club. Only those people within it truly get it, right? There's a lot of thing about exclusion, and et cetera, we can talk about as well, but it is this, it is based on this concept of identity. Jobs and what I do is very tied to identity,
1: right? Well, well no, I, don't you think? No, I, it is I for think, me. I think for a subset of humans, I, and I don't think it's a big subset of humans. I mean, keep in, keep in mind, Lynn, about 60% of our workforce is hourly. And I'm not saying That's that true. the hourly workforce doesn't tie their identity. Like I know some really amazing tradespeople. And they are very, very aligned with the fact that they build things and that they, that they fix things and that they, so, but I think that there's a huge chunk of people who their identity is not aligned with their job. And I think that there's a huge chunk of people who just go to work so that they can pay the rent and put dinner on the table. Sure. But
0: isn't that in and of itself part of their identity, part of their like, okay. Um, That's
1: stretching.
0: But no, I don't I, think I, I don't okay. think it is. I don't think it is. You wanna why I don't like this? <laughs> Tell me. <Then laughs> I, we have me. Talked, I was telling you my mother in law stories before I um before we started the podcast. You be careful now. I know, I'm gonna be very careful. So I'm like I have to be very careful here. Um It has been something I have learned as I have started to um, connect with um uh, connect with other parts of my family and, and kind of understand, kind of what drives them. There is a sense of pride that I that I have seen, in being of the uh, the salt of the earth, the, of the you know of the people. I um, not, hard fancy. Work, not fancy, not <laughs> fancy, right? I'm simple. Right. I mean, we've. Talked, I know, I'm trying to say, how do I want to say this and not get myself in so much trouble? They're trying to say it in the right way. What I'm trying to say is, I actually think, even for those who are making, just doing what they have to do to make it happen, right? To like to put food on the table, etc. There is actually an identity associated with that. In order to have self worth, there is a there is a point at which you have to convert some of what you do
1: to a pride in the fact that you do that. I mean, I just, I don't know. And internet, call me out if I'm wrong. I think that the, again, I think that our, your alignment and my alignment with our Mm -hmm. jobs and our careers and our callings are very rare. I think that's, I think that there are, I think there are three hierarchies. Like it's not like Maslow's, but it's, you know, there's jobs. Is the jobs that people go to to mm-hmm. pay the rent, their careers that people are really engaged in and want to grow in. And then there are callings, right? So there are people in the world who were born to do certain things. And I think the, the more you get up that ladder, the more rare it is. I just don't, I don't find, and I'm going to talk to some people this week. I'm going to talk to some people this week about if their identity, if they tie their identity to their job, and I'm just going to talk to random people. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, <I'd laughs> and I'll be, be interested <laughs> to see what I learned because I would I would like to be wrong, right? I would like to be wrong because it makes it, it if I'm wrong, then it makes a lot more. Um, it puts a lot more gravitas on what we do.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: but I think that we, uh, you and I, and uh-huh. and members of this of this tribe and the rebels, sure. um, we really want to believe that it is identity driven uh, because it makes it feel uh, sure. bigger. Right. Like, and, and, but, well, but I'm
0: helping think, you find your purpose in life. Right. Correct. Sure,
1: okay, right. Yeah, and that I mean, Look at me. Right. Okay. That ties to our identity. Right. <laughs> true. It it's does. True. Right. And I think it's that true. there are moments like I, I look at my husband and I, I try not to talk about my husband on the pod because it makes him crazy. But great thing is he never listens to it. So he probably <laughs> won't know. Um. So because he usually is sitting behind me when we're recording. So he hears, you know, at least half of it. Uh, um. But he's a software developer, and he's actually done some things that changes the way retail works, like the way people move products to stores. He's innovated in the supply chain. And I'll tell you what, if Steve Parsons had an opportunity to leave his job tomorrow, he would. He drives no identity from his job, and he is very good at his job. So I look at there, there are people that aren't like us, Alyn. And I think those are some of the things that we have to grapple with as recruitment marketing rebels and as people who are trying to move the needle for our businesses, because at the end of the day, most of us work. I, this is, I believe this most of us work because we like things.
0: Oh, true. No, nah, true, 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 true. true. Uh, of course. I mean, it's a, I
1: like I like mean, stuff.
0: I like stuff. Right. <laughs> I, you I, like I, fancy. We talked about you exactly. Obviously.
1: I, I love, love my fancy shoes.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't help myself. I have a, yeah. I mean, it's a good. It's a, it is a good thing that it's probably not a good thing. It's probably very um, relevant that I figured out work that I could do that allowed me the opportunity to have the things I wanted to have. To have
1: because, fancy stuff, right?
0: Right. Sometimes and, not always. Yeah. I mean, but yeah.
1: Sure. Okay, so, so this is what I love about our podcast, Celine. We were we were talking this week about topics, and we landed on the topic of conversion rate. And I think we've said conversion rate four times now. Um, <laughs> and I I think that it's a good thing, right? Because that you know we've had like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes of of rambling around identity and purpose, and I love it because it's really important. Because if you don't understand the identity and the purpose and you don't understand the audience, there is no way in hell you're going to convert.
0: Well, right. And even if you do, what's the value of the conversion? This, right. is, this is where I was trying. So thank you very much for bringing this back. But yes, exactly. That's where I was trying to go with, with this. So driving volume to the conversion in order to check off a box to say my conversion rate is X percent is really cool. If I have a million jobs to sell. If mm-hmm. I don't have a million jobs to sell, um, converting a whole bunch of people who are non-relevant is really waste in the system.
1: Right? But what if they're <clears throat> what if they're relevant, and you convert them now into leads? What if you nurture those people? So you may not have jobs today, you may not have inventory today. But you will have inventory in the future, and what if you converted them and told them that, you know what, I know you're looking for this today, um, why don't we keep in touch because this may or may not work out, right? Like, there's there's opportunities to use those conversions for good and not evil. Yes, but
0: but that would require us, okay, y- yes, and okay, so, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, duh, right, but. <laughs> <laughs> was that- dummy. No, 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 this is good because you're, you're actually pointing out uh, the next piece, which says that then means we have to get, we have to think, we have to start thinking like marketers. So now I'll connect it back to our original conversation. We have to start thinking like marketers and understand that there are multiple points of conversion Uh and multiple purposes for which Uh I want to convert people. There you go. And just running at the end to this final conversion rate, right, which is convert to applicant or convert to hire, right? Usually people are using convert to applicant, by the way, which drives me crazy. But either way, is only a very my, my scopic view of what's happening at that moment. There are all these other, any decision point, any place where you were asking people or you're trying to engage with people to have them do something different than they're doing at that moment is an opportunity to track your ability to, um, your ability to influence them. That's conversion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So conversion rates, conversion (coughs) dashboard. So conversion rates, no conversion dashboards.
1: Yes. Okay. Ooh, I, I like conversion rates. I love them. I like to see, and sometimes I acknowledge that they're too high and something's going wrong here. There's a sweet spot. Um, And it's interesting. So this, this topic came to my mind because I had a customer recently go live with a very bare bones career site. Now it's a very bare bones career site that looks good. It's appealing. But essentially it's focused on the transaction because they haven't, we haven't, um, they were moving too quickly to have their brand done and you've got to continue to fill jobs even if you can't have an outward expression of your brand right this is this is a brand you know brand new company and it's it's fascinating so they put up a very bare bones career site it's just the ability to search right uh-huh. and transact
0: uh-huh. and there's
1: there's some there's some language and brand in the job interesting <clears throat> 92% of people who visit this bare bones career site clicked apply. 98%? No,
0: no, 92%. 92%. Right, because what else could they do?
1: Correct. Okay. So this is just this for me, this was interesting experimentation, right? Okay. Like what if we give people no information, see what they do. Right. All right.
0: Because they went there. Okay. Okay. So I have all sorts. Oh my god! I have all sorts of reflection and thought for this. But keep going. Sorry. Of course you do. (laughs)
1: Yeah. of course you do. Now, from site visitor to completed application was fifty four percent. Average is eight point six. Right. So they're converting a lot, and. It's interesting to me that we're now digging into this data to look at, okay, how many of those candidates were relevant? Now, most of their jobs are hourly workers or tradesmen. So it's it's there's there's low qualifications, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You have to be breathing and you have to have a high school diploma and you have to be a U.S. citizen. And so then I'm going further with, okay, well, maybe quality is not meets minimum quals, And a lot of these roles are, um, hired really, really quickly. I want to look at what the hire rate is and I want to look at the duration of their tenure. Right. And we won't be able to get that for quite some time, but it's fascinating to me that when you, when you give, when you let people transact in a simple way, right. One of the things I always tell people is that through the growth of employer brands, We've started to obscure the reason that somebody landed on your career site. Right. Right. We've started to obscure because trust me, they're going to the places they need to go to look up what they need to look up about you because they're not going to trust a lot of that data on your career site because it's what you're saying. And so we've gotten, we've, we've actually managed to obscure the ability to transact because we've gone so long and hard in employer brand and sometimes recruitment marketing. And it's fascinating to me to see these instances. Now, this is the same company that I've been working with um, for well over a year that has 70 plus percent open rates on the hundreds of email campaigns we've sent in the last year. And and they had a campaign that had a 40% application rate, right? Because it was a small targeted audience. But the point of this all is to say if you focus on the audience and you focus on their need Uh and what they're trying to get out of this, you have good results. Now, sometimes your results are so good that it's not good, right? I'm not sure that I want 92% of people clicking apply.
0: But you may.
1: I mean, I I, may. right. You you can't just report the data. You have to have the insight. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. Like conversion rates are great, But they're useless unless you give it the context that's required to understand what to do with that data. And I always look at it as a very lazy exercise to say, you're converting. Right. What what do I want out of
0: that? Absolutely. And I I would add into this, there's a lens that needs to be provided here that has to do with the actual behavior understanding the actual behavior and drivers of the person that is engaging with your with your channel and with your when with your actions right? right it it does not shock me in fact it shouldn't shock anybody that if you make it simple for people just to go to a website click apply and apply that's what they're going to do and your and your numbers are going to look fabulous you're absolutely right we have added all this other junk in there because we've tried to change we have tried we have, we haven't done the work of understanding behavior patterns and where people do the work that they need to do to drive their decision process right and so we tried to intercept them at the wrong
1: places right Which and obscures, that's why this project yes Yes, absolutely. That's why this—that's why this work has been so important for this company. And this, Alin, this is the work we talked about purpose. This is the work that I love doing, okay. right? Because we designed a candidate experience for this customer from scratch. There was no baggage on the well. We always done it this way because they've never done it a different way. And they were—if they did do it a different way—they were ready to chuck it out the window. And they were also—they also have an unbelievable affinity and value set placed on understanding the voice of the candidate, the people that they are not ever going to talk to that may in fact be the right person for their business. Like the opportunity to work with a brand like this is, I can't even talk about how joyful it is for me, but then to start getting these results to say, guess what? If you make it simple (laughs) and you tell them the truth, Right. and you treat them with dignity and respect, you're going to get plenty of people applying. And this is a company that nobody's ever heard of before last month.
0: That's right. That's right. The, the, the opera, if, if you, if you address people at the right place with the right actions, with the right motivators, mm-hmm. they will connect and, 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 and do what you need them to do. People want to, I mean, this is not, even in a, in a talent shortage People want opportunity. Yes, you're right. Interesting. It's a really interesting conversation, and I think this goes back to that earlier conversation we were having, which is understanding what you need and what will drive that particular audience is very important too. If if we're talking about um, hourly jobs. Where you know you have a uh, a low minimum threshold for a particular opportunity, right? Um, that you that you need to the, the qualifications that you need to get people into the door, and you're really looking at things like um, motivators, um, you know, ability to 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 be reliable, transportation, location, right? These sorts of things. Then you should make how you approach. The hurdles you make them go through should look very different. You know what I'm thinking? Um, As I'm rambling along, uh, Tracy, I think there is something in this work that you're doing that connects to this thesis you've been working on around friction points.
1: Yes, 100%. This is 100% the purpose of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah because there's a brand brave enough to buy into the concept. I mean that's that's all it that's all it matters amounts right. to for me. We have a new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. We're putting it out in the universe mm-hmm. and somebody said, "Holy shit, we should try that." And well, now it's and now it's validating all of the things that I thought to be true.
0: Absolutely. And now we're now you're really able to start to tell a a very compelling story that and and by the way, you know, as an experienced designer, I'm all over this one. I think it's really connected is this idea that friction points are a tool in your tool chest. Correct. You either insert them or remove them. Correct. Based on what you're trying to drive. Yes. Where we've always thought about friction points as either just good or bad. And they're not. Correct.
1: No. Look, as I said last month at at TA week, Uh I've and I've heard feedback from, you know, a lot of industry players like Tracy, friction is inherently negative. You can't talk about friction. Nobody's going to get on board with that. And all I keep telling him is you cannot have fire without friction. Friction is inherently a good thing. Well, right. We all want fire. Right And again, I will they take this. Back. Down.
0: <laughs> I will take this back to the fundamental. I think this is all interconnected. It goes back to that fundamental concept I was talking about that um, Douglas Atkins was talking about when he was talking about the culting of brands, right. Mm-hmm. Part of friction is also being able to create challenge in order to belong. Mm-hmm. It increases my sense of belonging. There's like, there's yes. all the psychological reasons mm-hmm. why friction does create fire. You're absolutely right. Right. If it's easy, every how, oh my God, I, isn't that a Nike commercial someplace? If it's easy, everybody would do it. Correct. Or something like, is it, I don't know who which brand does it, right? But fundamentally, yep. we all say these things, right? Heart. Well, and we all know it's broken. Makes, practice makes perfect, right? Hard mm-hmm. work pays off. These are fundamental in our core belief systems that we've generated and created. So why aren't we tapping into that understanding to understand that leveraging things like friction in the right way can create the motivators and drivers that we're looking for in our audience?
1: That's what I'm trying to do, Alin. So I, rebels out there, let's give me a call. We got some yeah. work to do.
0: Oh my God. I love it. This, this is groundbreaking stuff. I'm Thanks. super excited about it. So Thanks. I don't think, right. So interesting. And I don't think most people would would start to connect the dots between the conversation around conversion rates, engagement and belonging, and friction points. Right. Right. They're so tied. That's right. This is why these deeper conversations are so important, by the way. I, yes. you know, I debate, I, I'll tell you, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts out there. I enjoy them. I, I like to listen to people come on and 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 um, talk about what they're working on. And, and also just in general, I like the interview formats where people kind of uh, get others to share what they're thinking in, in mm-hmm. lots of different spaces. It's very informative. I learn a lot from them. But what I love about I'm just tuning our own home for a second. What I love about our, <laughs> our what I love about our podcast it's just, it's a I don't think anybody else is doing this out here is it is a conversation where we start to connect all the dots for ourselves and with each other. We don't have enough. We have a lot of information that we throw at people in this recruiting and TA and HR space. We do not have a lot of deep thought.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a fair assessment. I think yeah. it's, I, um, so anyway, I'm off on my ram. I'm glad, I'm appreciative of this opportunity to have deep thought together. I know, it's important. Um, it's awesome. Important. Well, Miss Tracy. Yes, ma'am. Again, fabulous dialogue and conversation. So much to noodle on. I'm just Yay. gonna, I wanna hear what people have to say about this one.
1: Me too. I think there's some, Mm -hmm. I think there's some deep things happening here. Right. And I, I would love, um, I would love the rebels to weigh in. Like, what are we missing? And I think that's one of the things that's fun about our conversations, Alin, and how we want, like, I really want, God, don't, don't hesitate to tell me where I'm wrong.
0: You know, whose opinion I want on this one?
1: Tell me. I,
0: Adam Gordon, if you're listening, (gasps) Adam, yes, Adam, so this work, he's doing some very interesting stuff, um, mm-hmm. and and the entire candidate ID team over there is doing some really interesting stuff around thinking about pipelines and pipeline management and etc. How does friction play into his strategy? Does it? Yeah,
1: that's I don't a good and question. that's I don't
0: know why I'm kidding, but for some reason I'm thinking about that and thinking now interesting, oh, or yeah. is it just numbers? Right.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I don't know friction. I don't know. It's where it's friction. at.
0: What is it? Where's it at? Awesome. Thank you very much. I want to hear from everybody.
1: Yes, please. Take care,
0: y'all. Bye. Okay, we are off and running. Good morning, Tracy. Good
1: morning, Alin. Welcome back from
0: Banff. Thank you. This is how you pronounce it, Banff. Yes, it was fabulous. It was fabulous. I have to tell you, it was so cool. I not only was Banff beautiful like I can't even I, I can't believe it's been so close to me all this time and I've never been there.
1: Yeah. I felt
0: like I felt like I had just you know walked into a little fairy tale. It was just <laughs> beautiful. The castle was literally a castle and you know I do feel like I'm royalty so I felt like I fit right in. That was awesome. It's beautiful.
1: So it. did you guys stay in the castle?
0: Yeah. Everything oh. was in the castle. We wow. stayed in the castle. Mm. We had like this big, oh my God. Okay, this is the other thing I'm going to say. So this was a, remember, this was a marketing conference, not a recruiting yes. conference. Correct. I'm, yeah, they're better at this stuff. In what way? Well, okay. So in two ways. So first, just in general, the... Um, uh, as a, as a presenter and as a, as a speaker and as a participant, I thought it was because I was kind of there as a speaker, but then I realized it was happening for everybody that the, the care that they took to make sure I was happy was uh, it, I, at first, it made me uncomfortable. I traveled with, um, uh, this was, I did this by the way, for, um, it was very nice of, um, uh, Elise Mayer and, and, uh, Gina and Symphony Town and I did it with, um, it was a uh, Tyler Weeks and I from Intel. We're on this panel with Chad and Cheese, which, you know, is always interesting and fun. Oh, yeah. In a good way. It was fun. It was, it was fun. But, um, They like, they started with like, like I had like a concierge lady and they had like this little, she would send us these text messages every morning and, and tell us where to be and what to do and how to get there. And, um, she fixed my hotels. Like it was just really, it was very, I felt very fancy.
1: Okay.
0: I came out and you know, I have. You don't
1: feel um, fancy at HR tech?
0: No, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't, (laughs) I don't feel fancy at HR tech. These people made me feel fancy and it took me a while to like, okay, so I, I am okay feeling fancy cause I have like that fancy gene in me. My, you know, everybody who knows me will, will tell you I have an issue, um, thinking I deserve more than I should have because <laughs> I, nice. I just should cause and me, right. I get it. I, I try and taper that down. Um, so I'm traveling with, oh, what are
1: you trying to say you're a diva?
0: I am a diva. Okay. I, I do. I'm a bit of a diva, but I try and hide it because I think, cause I've been told my entire life that being a diva is not a good thing. Okay. So I try and hide it, right? And I pretend that I'm not a diva. So I'm traveling with Tyler. Tyler doesn't he he knows he's a diva, he doesn't care. And okay. so like we have this lady who that we can you know, she's wonderful. Erin was her name. She was fabulous. Um and uh she was our I guess concierge, our like our person, right? And we okay. would have like issues or we'd have questions and I'd look at Tyler and I'd ask him the question and he would text her and she would text the answer back. And so I got very comfortable Knowing that Aaron would find out the answer for us And that I can make Tyler go get it And then I would feel okay about it (laughs) She took us, oh my god, the best part This is so hilarious So um, we walked down And we're doing the sound check thing The day before And they weren't ready for us right away So we're sitting down there She's sitting with us to just, you know Keep us company Okay. I don't know, she's chatting or whatever And she's like, can I get you anything? A soda a sorbet, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll take a sorbet. I don't know where that came from, but go get me a sorbet in the castle. She goes running off, she comes back, I have a sorbet. Oh man, yeah, okay, so I'm just saying they do this a little bit better, and okay. the, the events were fabulous. Like the, I mean, literally. I mean, the, the first like the the first dinner night, right? With like kind of the the VIP dinner with like the speakers and the, um, you know, people who I mean, I know they pay they charge for this stuff and stuff. But it was literally in a castle. It was like literally in a castle. Like there was a there was a there was a throne in the front of the room. These oh. big chandeliers and it was like it was very. Um, I felt like we had more intelligent conversations.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now yes. my question, I mean, are you, t- are you feeling like you had more intelligent conversations because of the setting? Cause yeah. it feels like it's because of the setting.
0: Yes. Okay. So I'm telling you, I had more intelligent conversations because of the setting I think whether I did or I didn't, I don't necessarily know, but, but I feel, but it felt that way. It felt that way because I felt like, you know, I felt like, you know, when you go off to the little alcove um, there was all these little alcovey bars, right. You know, with these big leather um, wingback chairs, you okay. know? yeah. Um, and you sit down and you'd have a scotch and you'd like, you talk deep thoughts about how you drive people to your brand. It felt, it felt, had some gravitas to it. I was like, okay. damn, damn, this is good. Anyway, it was a great, but that was just, those are all the superficial things like, in general. Um, I walked away. My biggest takeaway was um there is so much interconnection between um, corporate marketing and recruitment marketing. And you know, I knew that corporate marketing in my own world didn't quite understand the impact that we had, and we didn't really understand how to partner with them. We still don't. This is always a challenge. Um, but when I listen to the speakers, forget the, forget whether or not we know how to play together. When I just listen to what they had to say, The value I got as a recruitment marketer, participating and listening to the stories of corporate marketers, and then trying to think about how that could attribute or provide value to the work I'm doing was immense. There was so much just goodness, meaty stuff that I took away that I have been noodling on now for weeks. I don't know what to do with any of it yet, which is often the case, but there there were just so much... um, deep, interesting stuff. And the reason was their focus was so much about understanding how you get a message to people and, and how you, and how you understand how people tick and, and then you use what you have, um, to create this relationship with them. They really understand the roots of the marketing piece, which is obviously what they do. Um, and we spend so much time talking about the transaction, and it was it was clear to me in the midst of that dialogue. I, I was I was struck by it, and I thought, oh my God, if if I ever am in the position yet again to start sending people off to go and learn and grow in this space, I am not sending them um, uh, to to these fabulous HR conferences, which I think are great, and you can go connect with people for networking purposes. But if I want them to learn. I'm sending them to the marketing stuff.
1: It was okay, much so more
0: valuable.
1: Let's dig in on that because one of the things I think we want to talk about today is conversions, right? Yes. And so if you feel like we're overly concerned about the transaction, um let's 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 back that up, right? So what are some of the things that our consumer marketing counterparts are really worried about and thinking about that's different? Now I have a point of view on this right? And and I think you agree with my point of view, but the <laughs> but the big difference between what we do in recruitment marketing and what they do in consumer marketing has a 100% disconnect around the focus on the audience. Oh, so our okay. Unpack, unpack that for a second yep, for me. Our consumer marketing counterparts know everything there is to know about that buyer
0: or they want and they to. don't
1: right. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're working toward that. Mm-hmm. Right. their, their myopic focus is on understanding the buyer. Right. Right. They, that's what they need to do because if they want to shape that buyer's behavior, they need to understand that buyer. Right. And I'm not talking about personas and journey maps per se. Uh I'm talking about studying all of it. Right. All of it. Absolutely. And what we don't do so well that I've seen happen over and over again, we don't study the external. We don't study the buyer. We study the buyer that we've already converted. That already works for us, that already bought the product. Mm -hmm. Right. But we don't study because that's easier. Let's be honest. Right. And most consumer marketers will tell you, yeah, 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 we got a loyalty program. They're busy, you know, we've got loyalty marketers. They're busy figuring out how to get people to buy one more. Right. Right. But we are focused on net new acquisition of new buyers. And I think our counterparts in recruitment marketing. Elin, you and I's peers, the rebels, the rebels Mm -hmm. on the line, Mm -hmm. they know they need to get there and they can't figure out how. Like, that's one of the things that I think we are all struggling with because there is a very sincere focus on people we've already converted and making sure that we can spin the product, which is the job, so that the company feels good. About what is out on the univ- the marketing universe, right? So that the company can say, "Look at these wonderful jobs that we look at these wonderful products. Why wouldn't you buy a product from us?" As opposed to, "Hey, why aren't you buying our products?" Right.
0: So, yes, all of that, all of that, and uh, a uh, hundred times I would go and, and say this 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 issue of. Focusing in and understanding who that consumer is or who that who that person is that we're selling to is is, is the gap. I, I thought where you were gonna go and <laughs> I, I think you did. Um but I want to kind of connect this is, is that I also think one of the fundamental differences is in the consumer space, I can always make more product. Correct. In, in the, the job space, there are only so many jobs, mm-hmm. right? So the, there is this v- very big difference between consumer marketing and recruitment marketing, in that, when we think about um, after you pull them in, right? The process of connecting relevancy, right? So let me put it this way: in in the, in the consumer market space, if somebody who isn't relevant to my product buys my product, whatever, great. It's not harming them. Yep. In fact, what I mean, the more the merrier. Come on in. You know, right. I like that you think that you're cool. Go ahead and buy my, you know, cool trucker hat. Right. <laughs> it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Thing, right. But in the recruitment marketing space, I only have so many jobs. So I have, so the, the translation of converting to by relevancy is so much more important. Well, it's obviously it's the game, right? It's the game. It's the game. But what's interesting is if I, if I unpack what you said before, I thought one of the places you might be going was our way of trying to deal with that formula of relevancy is to hyper-focus on getting people to try and understand what the job is, right? Oh, I don't think
1: we're doing that at all. Oh, you don't? I think no. I think we
0: think we are. I think I think we're like I think all of our focus on how great can we write the job description and how can we help you be able to best find the job to go and apply to and et cetera is all based on this idea that if you understand what the product is, you will self-select into the right opportunity. And and if we took the marketing frame, I think it would be we know you well enough. To know how to point you to the right thing. I don't know. There's like, there's something in that for me.
1: But I don't think we're doing those things well at all. I think that we're still very, very actively painting um, overly rosy pictures of all of these things. Mm -hmm. I think we're leaving out a lot of important data and facts. I think that we're, I think that we're, I think that we're. With best interest, but I think we're tricking people. Like, I think we want their names. I think we want their applications so that our recruiters can go back to the hiring manager and say, oh, we got 200 people that want this job. And I'm ah. like, you don't, know, I hate that. Like, that's now, now, by the way. You've just made 199 very sad people.
0: Right. I mean, you know, I can go off on that forever. You know, you know what's interesting? There was a um, there was a gentleman um, who was speaking there who I um, got to meet briefly. He, I want to dive more into his work. Um, his name was um, Douglas Atkin, and he, he used to be at Airbnb, and he wrote this book based on a group of studies and work that he's done called the Culting of Brands. Okay. But what was fascinating about what he was talking about was the, the insight and the knowledge you needed to have about what makes people, right, actually connect with a brand, an identity, a thing. It's, it was a lot about identity marketing, right? Sure. Um, and as I listened to it, it made me reflect on this topic you're talking about, which is um, from a job perspective- when we don't, when we align people inappropriately to the to opportunities, right? When we make it feel like it's all rosy sunshine, if we missell it, right? Mm-hmm. We spend so much time just trying to drive the volume to the conversion, rather than the relevancy to the connection.
1: Yes. What well, that's we do—that's a winner. Somebody should tweet that.
0: Okay. I know. I was—I just made that up. It was really good. I think what we're doing is, is we are actually doing more harm to our brand and to our ability to find the right people that connect. Because part yes. of what he talked about was he did all this research that went out and looked at actual real cults and why people join cults and why do people kind of have this undying loyalty, right? And it really comes down to identity. Okay. And I think in, in the, being able to feel like, you are, the the thing that you are connecting to understands you in a unique way and that you are part of this special group or club. Only those people within it truly get it, right? There's a lot of thing about exclusion, and et cetera, we can talk about as well, but it is this, it is based on this concept of identity. Jobs and what I do is very tied to identity, correct? Right?
1: Right. Well, no, I, Don't you think? No, it is for me. I think for a subset of humans, I, and I don't think it's a big subset of humans. I mean, keep in, keep in mind, Lynn, about 60% of our workforce is hourly. And I'm not saying that the hourly workforce doesn't tie their identity. Like I know some really amazing tradespeople. And they are very, very aligned with the fact that they build things and that they, that they fix things and that they, so, but I think that there's a huge chunk of people who their identity is not aligned with their job. And I think that there's a huge chunk of people who just go to work so that they can pay the rent and put dinner on the table.
0: Sure. But isn't that in and of itself part of their identity, part of their like, okay. um,
1: That's stretching.
0: No, I don't I, think I, I don't okay. think it is. I don't think it is. You wanna why I don't think like this <laughs> tell me. <Then laughs> I, we have me. Talk, I was telling you my mother in law stories before I um before we started the podcast. You be careful now. I know, I'm gonna be very careful. So I'm like I have to be very careful here. Um It has been something I have learned as I have started to um, connect with um Uh, connect with other parts of my family and and kind of understand kind of what drives them. There is a sense of pride that I that I have seen in being of the uh, the salt of the earth, of the, you know, of the people I um, not fancy, not fancy, (laughs) right? I'm simple. Right. I mean, we've. Talked, I know. I'm trying to say, how do I want to say this and not get myself in so much trouble? They're trying to say it in the right way. What I'm trying to say is, I actually think, even for those who are making, just doing what they have to do to make it happen, right? To like to put food on the table, etc. There is actually an identity associated with that. In order to have self worth, there is a there is a point at which you have to convert some of what you do. To a pride in the fact that you do
1: that? I mean, I just, I don't know. And internet, call me out if I'm wrong. I think that the, again, I think that our, your alignment and my alignment with our Mm -hmm. jobs and our careers and our callings are very rare. I think that's, I think that there are, I think there are three hierarchies. Like it's not like Maslow's, but it's, you know, there's jobs, there's jobs that people go to to mm-hmm. pay the rent, their careers that people are really engaged in and want to grow in. And then there are callings, right? So there are people in the world who were born to do certain things. And I think the the more you get up that ladder, the more rare it is. I just don't, I don't find – and I'm going to talk to some people this week. I'm going to talk to some people this week about – if their identity, if they tie their identity to their job, and I'll just gonna talk to random people, uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I'll be well, interested well. to see what I learn because <laughs> I would, I would like to be wrong, right? I would like to be wrong because it makes if If I'm wrong, then it makes a lot more. Um, it puts a lot more gravitas on what we do. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that we, uh, you and I, and uh-huh. and members of this of this tribe and the rebels. Sure. Um, we really want to believe that it is identity driven, um, because it makes it feel, uh, sure. bigger. Right. Like, and, 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 but, well, but I'm
0: helping think, you find your purpose in life. Right. Sure, correct. Okay, right, right. Yeah, and that, I mean, me, right. And that Look at me.
1: Right. That ties to our identity. <laughs> right. It's true. It it's does. True. Right. And I think it's that true. there are moments, like I, I look at my husband and I, I try not to talk about my husband on the pod because it makes him crazy. But great thing is he never listens to it. So he probably won't know. Um, <laughs> So, cause he usually is sitting behind me when we're recording. So he hears, you know, at least half of it, yeah. um, but he's a software developer and he's actually done some things that changes the way retail works, like the way people move products to stores. He's innovated in the supply chain. And I'll tell you what, if Steve Parsons had an opportunity to leave his job tomorrow, He would. He drives no identity from his job and he is very good at his job. So I look at there, there are people that aren't like us, Elaine. And I think those are some of the things that we have to grapple with as recruitment marketing rebels and as people who are trying to move the needle for our businesses. Because at the end of the day, most of us work. I this is I believe this. Most of us work because we like things.
0: Oh, true. Ah, true, true, true. True, true, true. Uh, of course. I mean, it's a. I like I mean, stuff. I like stuff, right? You I, look I, like fancy. We talked about you yeah, exactly, obviously. I, I love essential shoes. Here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help myself. I have a. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, it's a, it is a good thing that it's probably not a good thing. It's probably very um, relevant that I figured out work that I could do that allowed me the opportunity to have the things I wanted to have, to have
1: because, fancy stuff. Right.
0: Right. Sometimes and, not always. Yeah. I mean, but yeah.
1: Sure. Okay. So, so this is what I love about our podcast, Celine. We were we were talking this week about topics, and we landed on the topic of conversion rate. And I think we've said conversion rate four times now. Um, <laughs> and I I think that it's a good thing, right? Because that you know we've had like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes of of rambling around identity and purpose, and I love it because it's really important. Because if you don't understand the identity and the purpose and you don't understand the audience, there is no way in hell you're going to convert.
0: It. Well, right. And even if you do, what's the value of the conversion? This, right. is, this is where I was trying. So thank you very much for bringing this back. But yes, exactly. That's where I was trying to go with, with this. So driving volume to the conversion in order to check off a box to say my conversion rate is X percent is really cool. If I have a million jobs to sell. If mm-hmm. I don't have a million jobs to sell, um, converting a whole bunch of people who are non-relevant is really waste in the system,
1: right? But what if they're <clears throat> what if they're relevant, and you convert them now into leads? What if you nurture those people? So you may not have jobs today, you may not have inventory today. But you will have inventory in the future, and what if you converted them and told them that you know what? I know you're looking for this today. Um, why don't we keep in touch? Because this may or may not work out, right? Like there's there's opportunities to use those conversions for good and not evil.
0: Yes, but but that would require us. Okay. Y- yes, and okay, so <laughs> I'm like, yeah, duh, right? But <laughs> it Lovely, that- dummy. No, 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 this is good because you're, you're actually pointing out uh, the next piece, which says that then means we have to get, we have to think, we have to start thinking like marketers. So now I'll connect it back to our original conversation. We have to start thinking like marketers and understand that there are multiple points of conversion
1: uh-huh.
0: and multiple purposes for uh-huh. which I want to convert people. There you and, go. And just running at the end to this final conversion rate, right, which is convert to applicant or convert to hire, right? Usually people are using convert to applicant, by the way, which drives me crazy. But either way, is only a very my, my scopic view of what's happening at that moment. There are all these other, any decision point, any place where you were asking people or you're trying to engage with people to have them do something different than they're doing at that moment is an opportunity to track your ability to, um, your ability to influence them. That's conversion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So conversion rates, conversion <laughs> dashboard. So conversion rate, no conversion dashboards. Yes.
1: Okay. Ooh, I, fun. I like conversion rates. I love them. I like to see, and sometimes I acknowledge that they're too high and something's going wrong here. There's a sweet spot. Um, And it's interesting. So this, this topic came to my mind because I had a customer recently go live with a very bare bones career site. Now it's a very bare bones career site that looks good. It's appealing, but essentially it's focused on the transaction because they haven't, we haven't, um they were moving too quickly to have their brand done and you've got to continue to fill jobs even if you can't have an outward expression of your brand right this is this is a brand you know brand new company and it's it's fascinating so they put up a very bare bones career site it's just the ability to search right uh-huh. and transact uh-huh. and there's there's some there's some language and brand in the job interesting <clears throat> 92% of people who visit this bare bones career site clicked apply? Ninety
0: eight percent? No, no, ninety two percent. Ninety two percent. Right, because what else could they do?
1: Correct. Okay, so this is just this for me. This was interesting experimentation, right? Okay. Like, what if we give people no information? See what they do. Right. All right. Because so, they went
0: there. Okay. Okay. So okay. I have all sorts of, oh my God, I have all sorts of reflection
1: and thought for this, but keep going. Sorry. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. Now from site visitor to completed application was 54%. Average is 8.6, right? So they're converting a lot. And it's interesting to me that we're now digging into this data to look at, okay, how many of those candidates were relevant? Now, most of their jobs are hourly workers or tradesmen. So it's it's there's, there's low qualifications. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You have to be breathing and you have to have a high school diploma and you have to be a U.S. citizen. And so then I'm going further with, okay, well, maybe quality is not meets minimum quals, And a lot of these roles are, um, hired really, really quickly. I want to look at what the hire rate is and I want to look at the duration of their tenure. Right. And we won't be able to get that for quite some time, but it's fascinating to me that when you, when you give, when you let people transact in a simple way, right. One of the things I always tell people is that through the growth of employer brands, we've started to obscure the reason that somebody landed on your career site right right we've started to obscure because trust me they're going to the places they need to go to look up what they need to look up about you cuz they're not going to trust a lot of that data on your career site because it's what you're saying Bingo. about you as a, Bingo. right yeah. <clears throat> and so we've gotten we've we've actually managed to obscure the ability to transact because we've gone so long and hard in employer brand and sometimes recruitment marketing. And it's fascinating to me to see these instances. Now, this is the same company that I've been working with um, for well over a year that has 70 plus percent open rates on the hundreds of email campaigns we've sent in the last year. And um and they had a campaign that had a 40% application rate, right? Because it was a small targeted audience. But the point of this all is to say if you focus on the audience and you focus on their need uh-huh. and what they're trying to get out of this, you have good results. Now, sometimes your results are so good that it's not good. Right. I'm not sure that I want 92% of people clicking apply. But you may. I mean but I may. I, right. Absolutely. You, you can't Bingo. just report the data. You have to have the insight. That's what I guess I'm trying to Bingo. say. Like conversion Bingo. rates are great. But they're useless unless you give it the context that's required to understand what to do with that data. And I always look at it as a very lazy exercise to say, you're converting. Right. What what do I want out of that?
0: Absolutely. And I, I would add into this, there's a lens that needs to be provided here that has to do with the actual... Behavior, understanding the actual behavior and drivers of the person that is engaging with your with your channel and with your when with your actions, right? Right. It, it does not shock me. In fact, it shouldn't shock anybody that if you make it simple for people just to go to a website, click apply, and apply, that's what they're going to do, and your and your numbers are going to look fabulous. You're absolutely right we have added all this other junk in there because we've tried to change we have tried we have, we haven't done the work of understanding behavior patterns and where people do the work that they need to do to drive their decision process right and so we tried to intercept them at the wrong places
1: right which is project yes Yes. Absolutely. That's why this that's why this work has been so important for this company and this Alin this is the work we talked about purpose. Mm-hmm. This is the work that I love doing. Okay. Right? Because we designed a candidate experience for this customer from scratch. There was no baggage on the well we always done it this way cuz they've never done it a different way and they were if they did do it a different way they were ready to chuck it out the window. And they were also they also have an unbelievable affinity and value set placed on understanding the voice of the candidate, the people that they are not ever going to talk to that may in fact be the right person for their business. Like the opportunity to work with a brand like this is I can't even talk about how joyful it is for me, but then to start getting these results to say, guess what? If you make it simple (laughs) and you tell them the truth, Right. and you treat them with dignity and respect, you're going to get plenty of people applying. And this is a company that nobody's ever heard of before last month.
0: That's right. That's right. The, the, the if, if you, if you address people at the right place with the right actions, with the right motivators, mm-hmm. they will connect and, 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 and do what you need them to do. People want to, I mean, this is not even in a, in a talent shortage People want opportunity. Yes, you're right. Interesting. It's a really interesting conversation, and I think this goes back to that earlier conversation we were having, which is understanding what you need and what will drive that particular audience is very important too. If if we're talking about um, hourly jobs. Where you know you have a uh, a low minimum threshold for a particular opportunity, right? Um, that you that you need to the, the qualifications that you need to get people into the door, and you're really looking at things like um, motivators, um, you know, ability to 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 be reliable, transportation, location, right? These sorts of things. Then you should make how you approach. The hurdles you make them go through should look very different. You know what I'm thinking? As I'm rambling along, uh, Tracy, I think there is something in this work that you're doing that connects to this thesis you've been working on around friction points.
1: Yes, 100%. This is 100% the purpose of this.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because there's a brand brave enough to buy into the concept. I mean, that's, that's all it, that's all it matters amounts to for me. We have a new way of thinking. Mm -hmm. We're putting it out in the universe. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, holy shit, we should try that. And now it's, and now it's validating all of the things that I thought to be true.
0: Absolutely. And now we're now you're really able to start to tell a, a very compelling story that and, and by the way, you know, as an experienced designer, I'm all over this one. I think it's really connected. Is this idea that friction points are a tool in your tool chest. Correct. You either insert them or remove them. Correct. Based on what you're trying to drive. Yes. Where we've always thought about friction points as either just good or bad. And they're not. Correct.
1: Either. No. Look, as I said last month at at TA week, Mm -hmm. I've and I've heard feedback from, you know, a lot of industry players like Tracy, friction is inherently negative. You can't talk about friction. Nobody's going to get on board with that. And all I keep telling him is you cannot have fire without friction. Friction is inherently a good thing. Well, right. We all want fire. Right, and again, I will I take this back.
0: <laughs> I will take this back to the fundamental. I think this is all interconnected. It goes back to that fundamental concept I was talking about that um, Douglas Atkins was talking about when he's talking about the culting of brands, right? Mm-hmm. Part of friction is also being able to create challenge in order to belong. Mm-hmm. It increases my sense of belonging. There's like there's yes. all. The- Psychological reasons why mm-hmm. friction does create fire. You're absolutely right, right? If it's easy, every how? Oh my god, I, isn't that a Nike commercial someplace? If it's easy, everybody would do it. Correct. Or something like, is it? I don't know who which brand does it, right? But fundamentally, yep. we all say these things, right? Heart Well, and we all know it's broken. Makes, practice makes perfect, right? Hard mm-hmm. work pays off. These are fundamental in our core belief systems that we've generated and created. So why aren't we tapping into that understanding to understand that leveraging things like friction in the right way can create the motivators and drivers that we're looking for in our audience?
1: That's what I'm trying to do, Alin. So I, rebels out there, let's give me a call. We got some yeah. work to do.
0: Oh my God. I love it. This This is groundbreaking stuff. I'm Thanks. super excited about it. So Thanks. I don't think, right. So interesting. And I don't think most people would would start to connect the dots between the conversation around conversion rates, engagement and belonging, and friction points. Right. Right. They're so tied. That's right. This is why these deeper conversations are so important, by the way. I, yes. you know, I debate, I, I'll tell you, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts out there. I enjoy them. I, I like to listen to people come on and 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 um, it, talk about what they're working on. And, and also just in general, I like the interview formats where people kind of uh, get others to share what they're thinking in, in mm-hmm. lots of different spaces. It's very informative. I learn a lot from them. But what I love about, I'm just tuning our own home for a second. What I love about our, <laughs> our what I love about our podcast, it's just, it's a I don't think anybody else is doing this out here, is it is a conversation where we start to connect all the dots for ourselves and with each other. We don't have enough. We have a lot of information that we throw at people in this recruiting and TA and HR space. We do not have a lot of deep thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a fair assessment. I think it's, I, um, so anyway, I'm off on my ram. I'm glad, I'm appreciative of this opportunity to have deep thought together.
1: I know, it's important. Um,
0: Awesome. Well, Miss Tracy. Yes, ma'am. Again, fabulous dialogue and conversation. So much to noodle on. I'm just gonna, I wanna hear what people have to say about this one.
1: Me too. I think there's some, Mm -hmm. I think there's some deep things happening here. Right. And I, I would love, um, I would love the rebels to weigh in. Like, what are we missing? And I think that's one of the things that's fun about our conversations, Alin, and how we want, like, I really want, God, don't, don't hesitate to tell me where I'm wrong.
0: You know, whose opinion I want on this one? Tell me. Adam Gordon. If you're listening, (gasps) Adam, yes, Adam. So this work, because he's doing some very interesting stuff, um, mm-hmm. and and the entire candidate ID team over there is doing some really interesting stuff around thinking about pipelines and pipeline management, and et cetera. How does friction play into his strategy? Does it? Yeah,
1: that's I don't, and question. that's I
0: don't know why I'm, kidding, but for some reason I'm thinking about that and thinking now, interesting, oh, or yeah. is it just numbers?
1: Right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know friction. I don't know. It's where it's friction. at.
0: What is it? Where's it at? Awesome. Thank you very much. I want to hear from everybody. Yes, please. Take care, y'all.
1: Bye. Welcome, Change Agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit